tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Keep playing. Keep working. Keep going. And keep moving with the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health. With an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com ortho to find a Baptist Health provider. Big pick set out on top, but the ball is loose. And now they get it to see that it's going to be Louisville in front. I shook up the world. In BCS Bowl terms, you guys shook up the world. Oh, I'm the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it, hold it. You're not that pretty. I'm a bad man. I shook up the world. First and third, two out. The 2-2 from Iggy. Swing and a miss. The cards are headed to Omaha. edition of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all-UFL sports talk show right here on 93.9 The Ville. I'm Ethan Moore. Taylor Lynch is off tonight. Get well, Taylor. He's still a little bit under the weather. Um, I offered to bring him some chicken noodle soup and, you know, rub his back. But he's he's on the mend, and we hope that uh, he will join us next week. Zach Cantrell behind the glass. He's going to be chiming in as well. Um, with piping hot takes. So that's what we do. You know what You know what happens every week on LSL, all things UofL, football, basketball, and recruiting. And as far as recruiting is concerned, I mean, I'm not going to be able to keep up with it. I'm going to do my best. But all of the moving and shaking going on in the portal, man, there are a lot of names um, that Louisville is interested in. Of course, Tyler Shuck. Yesterday committed, the quarterback from Oregon and Texas Tech will be um, Cardinal bound, Louisville bound here in the next few weeks. And um, he is penciled in as your starter right now. And speaking of Tyler Shuck, WHS 11's Mason Harotsky will join us at 9.05. He used to cover Texas Tech. Uh, when he was a reporter for uh, in Lubbock. So he will give us a scouting report on Tyler. And at 8.35 before him, Connor Morissette, as far as I know, no relation to Atlantis. Well, you ought to know, right? <laughs> yes, I like that. You know, <laughs> We'll be here all night. Yep, yep, until 10 o'clock. Uh, and Connor will join us. He runs the USC 247 site, uscfootball.com, and we will get... Um, your first and early preview of the Holiday Bowl, and he's going to tell us who is and who will not play for the Trojans. Of course, Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner of 2022, will not play their starting running back, also will not play 
and I'm sure there's going to be a handful of other Trojans that aren't going to play as well. To date, I mean, there's been a lot, there's been, I don't know about a lot. I don't know if that is the right number to define it based on where we are in this college football uh, off season uh, of free agency, but there's been several Louisville football players going to look elsewhere. I think most notably, probably Josh Minkins, as he is from Ballard, a kid from Louisville, has, has hopped into the portal and will be leaving. And then there's um, a few other players, Raheem Craig, he got some run, Jackson Hamilton. You know, in, in this day and age, you're going to lose several players, and you hope to minimize the losses, but more importantly, in this free agency period, which is exactly what this is for college athletics, you hope to bolster the roster. And it looks like outside of quarterback, tight end is a position of need, offensive line, linebackers, secondary, and we'll give you all some names later on in the program about who Louisville has offered. Um, generally, uh, prospects in the portal will make maybe one or two visits, sometimes three. Off More often than not, um, there's several players in certain positions that know where they want to go, and they're going to make that one visit, then commit shortly thereafter, a la Tyler Shuck. So I'm interested to see what you guys feel about this acquisition from a talent standpoint, Chuck is fantastic. He's got a great arm. He's a little bit more mobile than plumber. He's faster than Jack, but man, that, that those injuries, I think he started 11 games in three years. That is worrisome. That is a concern going forward. He did win the PAC 12 championship at Oregon back in 2020. So he does have a history of success. And, you know, at Texas tech earlier this year, they had Oregon on the ropes Mm -hmm. in week two. So he's got all the talent in the world. It's just about, can he stay healthy? And it seemed like they had some feelers out for DJ Uyagalale and Kyle McCord, and mm-hmm. they just decided to go with Tyler Shuck. So there must be a reason why they decided to go with them, and it's because he's got all the physical skills. It's just, can he stay healthy? Yeah, and that and that's that is the major question. And you know, it should be going forward. I don't have, I don't question his talent at all. He's he's a phenomenal talent, and if healthy, if he remains healthy. He's going to give you what what Jack Plummer could not could not give you consistently is an accurate deep ball. Somebody where Jeff Brom can open can fully open up his playbook, and he simply wasn't able to do that, especially as we saw the last four or five weeks of the season. Yeah, you really saw that on display in the ACC championship game. They were very limited offensively. They could not. Yeah, they, there were a couple missed opportunities early, but it just never felt like Jack Plummer ever got confidence and they couldn't really run the ball and if you can't run the ball and you put it in Jack Plummer's hands that's obviously not proven to be a winning formula and so you've got to have a quarterback that you're winning games because of and not just winning games with and it feel like it felt like they were winning games with Jack Plummer not because of Jack Plummer great great assessment there and and also interesting interestingly enough uh when, when you're talking about that quarterback position I was so disappointed in the way Plummer played on Saturday night in the ACC championship, especially in the second half. Yeah. I mean, now granted, Florida State's defense is elite. They are responsible um, for the domination of Louisville from the defensive standpoint. But man, that fourth quarter especially. I just 
I mean, you're taking sack after sack. And I and I was, you know, I was vocal on Twitter and like he should have been pulled. Like, and I get it. Brock don't he is Jack Plummer is better than Brock Doman. But at that at that part at that point of the game, if you have the ball after the muffed punt and you can't and you can't punch it in for for seven, you throw a pick on an ill-advised and bad pass. Like you can't literally get any worse. That was the game right there. It was 10-6, the yep. muff punt. That's a time where you take the lead, and Florida State's offense has really struggled. If you score there, you're in a really good position to win that game. And the thing that frustrates me the most about Jack Plummer, not just from this game but other games this year, the interceptions he throws, those are interceptions that freshmen don't throw. Like The one against NC State really stands out. This one where he just stares down his receiver. Mm -hmm. You cannot turn the football over there. You have to capitalize. And once they did not do that, you just knew – they were never going to get another opportunity better than that the rest of the game. And it was crazy for how dominant Florida State was on the defensive side of things. Don't tell the committee that. Apparently, they weren't that oh impressed. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we can get we can get into <laughs> that as well. But, like, I, I, I was talking to a buddy, you know, at the game, and I was like, for how bad they played, like, if they would have marched down the field, they could have tied the game. But you just had that you had that thought, like Zach said too, man. Like when you when you had that ball, I think it was at the eleven, first and first and ten at the eleven, and you can't score, like you can't punch it in, like then it's a wrap because you you were not gonna be able to march down the field on Florida State. You were gifted seven points right there. Florida mm-hmm. State had a special teams mishap, which is I guess the story of the history of Florida State football is special teams mishaps, mm-hmm. just ask their kickers. Um but that's an opportunity we've got to take advantage of. You yeah. cannot score six points and think you're going to win. If Jack Plummer and that offense played a C game, they win. Like if yeah. you say going into that game, Florida State's going to score 16 points, they're going to score one touchdown, and let's be honest, the last field goal was given to Florida State because Jack Plummer got sacked on fourth down mm-hmm. in the red zone. So basically, let's just say you give them 13 points. You say Florida State's scoring 13 points, you feel really good about where you're at. Absolutely. You feel Louisville's going to win if they give up only 13 points. And the offensive line, it's not all Jack Plummer's fault. Let's get that out of the way. The offensive line stunk. We saw Jared Verse just a couple times bull rush. He didn't even have to make yeah. a swim move or anything. He just bull rushed the left mm-hmm. tackle and got a couple of sacks. The offensive line didn't do their job. George Jordan never really got going. So we're not going to sit here and point it all on Jack Plummer. We're not trying to sound like we're piling on, but – Ultimately, he was bad. He was very bad. Like, let's. It was just the entire offensive scheme was bad. The defense. Look, you give up thirty-one points to Miami, thirty-eight points against Kentucky, and then team up the road. Swear jar. Um, but then you bounce back and give up sixteen points. Ron English's team, his side of the ball, did exactly what they needed to do to have a chance to win that game. Yeah, you're right. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three-nine is the number. The UPS Jobs text line is thirty-eight thirty-one ninety-three-nine. Loyal Lawrence will lead things off tonight. What's going on, boss? What's up, Ethan? Man, man, you got it, bro. It's your world. I'm just in it. Man, I can tell by Jack from the face in that game that he was not ready to play that game. No, sir. I I, I said on Twitter, Brown sent him out for like a. One or two series, so he can get his mind focused back on the game. But Brown stuck with him. I'm not surprised by that because he he stuck with him the whole season. And every time he did, 
kind of has these type of games. He did not put them out. He saw and put Brian Woods getting Brian Woods getting on Jack the whole game too on the sidelines. You saw the thing I did not like is after the game, Jack running back to the locker room, not shaking hands, not um doing doing the um interviews, nothing like that. He just ran off the field. Mm-hmm. I don't know if some I don't know if something bothered him or not. Other yeah. than that, um, I like the fact that this kid um committed to Louisville in a 24-hour period because it, it, it happened kind of fast. What I'm hoping to happen is he get Prime got a problem. He's gonna address that old line. He's gonna probably end up um trying to get um some big big guys up front who are veterans and who know who can actually block somebody. He's going to probably drift it because he, you see right now the, the, the majority of players they are losing right now are defensive players. Yeah. And he's going, he going to fit that situation. What I'm really hoping that happens is this. He gets that running back from Arkansas because they are losing as Durendo. We need another running back. If um, DeWire Jordan does come back, we need a t- that type of running back to um, basically back him up and being uh, in the in the in the backfield with him because ain't no guarantee he's gonna stay healthy the whole season. Correct. He's gonna he's gonna still play, but we just need a bull uh, a bulldozer to back him up for short yardage and red zone. And plus, I just saw this a couple minutes ago. Or or that Ohio State running back is in the transfer portal in the transfer portal. I wouldn't mind having him too. Now the whole tight end situation. You know, Brown going um, really go after tight end. Oh yeah. What do you think? What do you think about that um, tight end from Miami who's in the portal right now? His name escapes me, but yeah, he's talented. I do think that um, it's been reported out there that um, Jeff Brom is, is has offered San Diego State's tight end, um, and again. His name escapes me as well. That's, that's going to be a theme. Uh, there's so many names, fast and furious. I'll try to get that for you. But, yes, there's no doubt about it. Quarterback, and all I've heard now is that Shuck is going to be the guy. There was some um, some thought that there could they could go get two guys from the portal, I believe, as it stands right now, that Shuck is their guy. Um, certainly, they're going to, to look at running back, but I think before that, they want to address linebackers. They want to address offensive and defensive line and linebackers. Uh, and tight ends, certainly, as well. So, I'm going to get you the guy's name, but I know he's from San Diego State. He's super talented. Uh, I believe they're trying to get him in for a visit. Uh, but, yes, because we saw at times, I mean, mainly, Lawrence, that Miami game where um, Nate Kariski was was – targeted early and often, and he was a focal port of the offense. And then it seemed like, I don't know if it was because the defense is schemed differently, but the tight end wasn't an option don't, last don't two games. Worry, don't, don't worry about that because next year we're going to have the best tight end in the country. Because Johnson redshirted this year, next yeah. year he's going to blow up. <laughs> I'm with so, you. I'm expecting that as well. So – if you get Johnson in there with with somebody with, with another um tight end, and you're gonna see this whole a whole different offense. I think the reason why he could not um sling it this year because Jack Plummer can't sling it. Sling it. I was like, 
the reason Plummer was kind of successful this year because we had a, a decent offensive line and you had a great running game. Mm-hmm. How many times we won one game because the running game? Right. So I'm I, I, I'm I'm so whoever I trust Brown and everybody's freaking out saying Pierre Clarkson might in the transfer portal. Just because they got a quarterback, don't mean Pierre Clarkson can't win the job next year. It's going to be competition. Just because we got, they got a quarterback, don't mean this guy is going to be starting quarterback for yeah. this season. Yeah, it's still competition. I ain't freaking out. I think Pearl Clarkson, when he, when Jeff Brown field day is ready, he's going to be ready. I'm pretty sure he talked to him and his dad before um, getting this going out to get this kid. Mm-hmm. So yes. Now on the real quick on the basketball, to me, we just need to be as need to be tougher in the paint, not letting nobody everybody dunk on them a lot. Because if somebody keeps dunking on me, I get tired of that. And put Diamond Mitchell. I saw the video. I'd be afraid of Coach P too if you made me run like that. Cause he, I'd be afraid of Coach P too. I don't blame him being afraid of Coach P and being afraid to play a little bit those two years. Cause you see how good he is in NBA now. Maybe maybe if Kenny Payne is first fair in his guys, maybe they play better. I'm just saying. Yeah, Lawrence. Thanks for the phone call, man. I'm not. You know, I, I don't think um, KP is gonna. Stoke fear in his guys to do that. I think that's part, you know one of the the many issues with the basketball program is that um, you know I think the players like him and respect him, but they don't fear him. And I think again, like we said this numerous times, like KP is a is a head coach, but he's stuck in the assistant coach mentor mentality. Where you know it's it's I like the fact that he and you have to. You, he truly cares about his players. He does. And he wants the best with them on and off the court. And that is admirable. But they, he also, like, you're never going to hear a story about a KP run practice where the players are scared. They don't want to mess up. There's all these intricate details that they, that they have to, you know, that will be forced um, to be ingrained in, within them. Like, you're not going to hear that. So you saw the clip of Donovan Mitchell talking about how he was afraid to go to practice when Patino was there and he scared him and Peyton Siva backed him up, said, oh, yeah, we were terrified every day of going in there. Practices are harder than games, all that kind of stuff. That's what You need a healthy fear. You don't want to be, like, afraid of the guy necessarily, but to have a healthy fear of if I get this wrong or if I make this pass, then – Absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna run. I'm gonna puke my brains out because if I made a mistake, I'm gonna be held accountable. I don't think these guys have that right now. Oh, I mean, and and that's part again though. But it's not a hot take because you see that out in the court, right? And yeah, against Virginia Tech, they were competitive. But like I said on the post game show, like it's not that's not good enough to be competitive and lose to a team as it stands right now that's in the bottom third of the ACC. That's that's not good enough. They didn't get blown out. But again, I always ask when when I hear you know those rumblings. If you have a buddy that says it, or if you see it on social media or whatever, and you you know you hear people like, well, you know what, we almost won, or they played well for stretches. Like, take a time machine, rewind it at least even five years ago, and we would never be saying that. I've been doing these post game shows long enough. Where, you know, you lose you lose a game against a top twenty five, a top ten opponent, 
based on like a simple mistake and people are livid. But we've been conditioned over the last several years, and not all of that is on KP, just a year and a half or a year plus. But we've been conditioned because the program hasn't held its end of the bargain up for so many years. No, this decay started happening at the end of the Mac era, and mm-hmm. it's carried on. Like there's, When was the last time that you were truly expecting when you went up against a top 10 team that we're going to win. And if we lose, no matter how good the other team was, you were pissed off. When's the last time that happened? It would have been but that, that game, and I always talk about it, that the game when you, we beat number four Michigan and Louisville's ranked number one in the Yum Center. That was a wide-out game, Big Ten ACC challenge. The Yum was packed. The, you know, the atmosphere was crazy. Um, and then, too, I think uh, historically – I can spit it out. Historically against Virginia, there were some games at home that year with Mac. When again, that year before COVID, you're 24 and seven, ranked 14th nationally. There was those I remember. I can't remember the specific games, but there were several games in those seven losses. Because remember, we complained about the February March swoons because you'd start out really well in November, December, and January, and then but two part of it's the schedule it got tougher, but like. We were complaining about stretches of Louisville basketball, like you know, like winning just six of the last ten, yeah, stuff like that. And then now, and again, it's it's that would be celebrated now. It's and, and that is the problem. And I think people are lowering their expectations without realizing it because you're just so accustomed to the subpar play that like you can you know you're just grasping on anything. And in in certain there's certain instances as well. Is this team better than last year's team? Yes. Unquestionably. Unquestionably. Is there more talent on this roster than last year's? Yes. Yes. No doubt about it. You can say that and still say, I'm pumping the brakes on saying improvement because according to Kim Palm, the strength of schedule is 328. They're still the worst or one of the worst teams in the Power Five, according to all of Ken Palm. They're, bo- they're a, a spot behind 0-6 New Mexico State. Like, if that's not an indictment. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, the they're net, winning games because they've got talent, not because all of a sudden Kenny Payne started to coach better. And then the schedule's strength is in the 300s. Now, in yeah. the in Ken Palm, they're 161, and in the net, they're 279. Both numbers are nowhere commiserate with Louisville basketball standards. No. No. So, again, I think that's important to keep that in mind. You can say that, yes, this team is better than last year, and they are, but we expected that because there's more talent. Correct. But then we also didn't expect nail biters against Bellarmine, New Mexico State. You didn't expect again to lose to Chattanooga. And you really needed to beat Indiana. And Phil's made this point a lot of and if they've just played these games like they played against Texas, if that was the effort they gave, people would work with that. Because Texas, that's a game they probably should have won, but that was against a better team and it came down to the wire. That looked like Louisville basketball for the first time in a long time. If you have that kind of game, People are going to work with you. And I do wonder to a degree if this was what Louisville looked like in year one rather than coming off what they did a year ago when mm-hmm. our expectations or our thoughts be different. Yeah. And so, and, and that's why, again, too, I think when you have the worst year in the 82-year history of in the recent, you know, in the modern era, the worst year in the modern era of Louisville basketball, the worst season in 82 years, 
Like you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Dog. You simply don't. You don't you don't get it. 8150-939 is the number. Jose is up next on LSL. What's going on? Greetings, gentlemen. Um yeah, I'm glad I got to call in tonight. The problem, the the dumbing down, or, or what it really is, is fear. I don't know if you saw the Ricky Jones article today in the Courier Journal, but that kind of his ideology is driving the fear. And I don't know if you know this, and I hope Ricky is listening, but I don't know if you know who Quintez Brown is. But Ricky Jones was the mentor to Ricky Jones before he tried to assassinate Craig Greenberg. So that's a kind of sick, twisted ideology. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to just keep it more to basketball. And I get it. There was, you know, Ricky Jones had an op-ed in the Courier. You can read it and then, you know, discuss that. And you can agree or disagree with all with that as well. This is a sports show. Yeah. Like, we're not JFK conspiracy theory guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, 8150-939 is the number. Todd is up next on the program. Hey, Todd. Hey, how you guys doing? Man, I'm, I'm ready for uh, Louisville to win this holiday, but I'll tell you that. We are, too. We're down here in Fort Myers. Spoke to you guys about a week ago. Um, our uh, kids went over to see Louisville play Miami uh, right across the state, and uh, we're excited to go to the Orange Bowl, but uh, that's not going to happen. But I did just catch your all's comments on um, – you know, how the fans are starting to not get used to or, or maybe get used to, okay, we won three games out of the last six. That's an improvement. Three games out of the last seven. That's an improvement. And we, we my, my dad and I, was fortunate enough to go to the 2013 championship game in Atlanta. Crazy story that, you know, right even with the free throw line, about 12 rows up next to Peyton Siva's dad, Kind of, uh, uh, that's a whole other story. How we got that to happen, um, but uh, you know, it, the sad thing is, is that I feel like you know it's been so long since Louisville basketball has been relevant that we're losing a generation. And I know that people have talked about that on the show. Um, I've heard them, um, but you know, there's a lot of people that just don't remember what Louisville has been and the history. Um, I'm old enough to know that. Uh, my son, who is now 20, 22, 23, um, he, he, he barely remembers it. Uh, but, man, it's, it's just very sad to see that. Um, we, we got to know. We, get, we go way back. And I, you cut me off if you want. But, uh, and uh, we, we got to know Denny Crum. We were there when Samaki was there, and, and uh, Bill Olson invited my dad and I up to sit in Freedom Hall during the Kentucky-Louisville game in, in, in that seat that was reserved for us next to Denny Crum's wife. And we got to run into the locker room after that game, after we beat them. And, I, I mean, I got pictures still and, and a, a whole poster board my dad made me of, of that experience. Um, you know, we came up to my wife and I brought our kids to see Notre Dame play this year in Louisville and, uh, ran into Robbie Valentine who at the Yum Center, we, I have not been to the Yum Center. I'm embarrassed to admit it, uh, but I have not been there, but, um, we give came yourself to the some Dame credit. Give, give yourself some credit, Todd. You're in <laughs> South Florida. It's not an easy trip. Yeah, I know. Well, we're, we are, uh, we are huge card fans down here. 
And uh, but you know, it, it's crazy. It goes way back. I, I used to come to the Louisville basketball camps as a middle school age kid, and and Robbie Valentine was my coach. And you know, he's probably three, four, five years older than me. But I ran into him, and he kind of gave us a little mini tour that day and talked about the upcoming team. And we it just the memories go way back. Um, way back, and it, it saddens me to see where we are and the fans starting to kind of accept where we are, and, and it just has to change. You know, I'm so excited about football, um, and, and I look forward to baseball season every year. We love that down here. We watch all the baseball games, as many as we can, but basketball has to, has to get right. Uh, the ACC conference counted on that. You know, everyone did, and we're just let you know dropping the ball so yeah yeah anyways we are and yeah i love thanks for the phone call todd and i always appreciate listening all the way down there in south florida like it has to get right i love your your phrasing there it has to get right and i think it will um but you know what we're gonna have to see what happens there you know in a few more weeks and see where we are in march because if uh there's another losing season I fully expect there to be a coaching change because people aren't going to put up with that. Has to be. I mean, they had, what, 4,500 people at the last game? Like, the numbers, they're not getting any higher. They, they will have a high attendance when the team up the road comes to town, but that's going to be because uh, mm, that'll be the I'm, ultimate. I'm just... not even – yeah, you talk about salt in the wound. Ooh. Yeah, and so, too, like, listen, if you look at the next three games at DePaul, who, after they lose to Texas A&M tonight, will be 1-7. and seven. Arkansas State and Pepperdine. All three teams have losing records. All three teams um, aren't very good. And you should beat them. That would give you a three-game winning streak. That would ma- that would make it, what, winning five of the last six, something like that. That's, yeah. that's great. Right. But if you just delve into it a little bit at the surface, like none of those teams are any good. None of them have winning records. And that's not going to help you improve – your net ranking to get to the NCAA tournament. Now, again, it's better than losing them. Of course. But, like, you have to – and, again, like, I expected this team to win. I, I went on record, and, I, and I, I'm shying away from the number. Preseason, I said 14 and 17. That alone, that's not good enough. That's, that's assuming one game in the ACC tournament. So you play 31 regular season – well, you play 31 regular season games, 32 – Plus that, so, so four, it'd be 14, 14 and 18. Yep. And that wouldn't be good enough. I don't know now. I mean, Louisville's going to win several more games. Like, I'm confident in that because of the talent. Sure they are. There's, yeah. And so, now, if you fast forward, you look at the team up the road, then look at January's schedule. Okay? It is it is night and day difference. And so, I'm not going to bemoan the team winning, but, but like, you know, some people didn't like the fact that I was still being critical after wins, and I'm like, "Well, look who they look who they played." New Mexico State played New Mexico this weekend and got beat like 106 to 60. Chattanooga and UMBC have turned around and gotten killed, or UMBC lost to Marist, I think it was the mm-hmm. very next game. Like, look, these next three games there should be no headlines. They, if you're a if Louisville basketball is anywhere near what we expect them to be, these are not games that we think about. These are games that they roll the ball out, they win by 20 or 30, they name the score, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, What are we really going to learn about this team over the next three games unless we learn something bad about this team? If, yeah. Even if they go out and win by a lot, yeah. what are we really getting out of it? Yeah, 
Yeah, and so, I mean, I, the only thing, Zach, to answer your question would be it's the first road win in 21 games because there's a 20-game road losing streak. Yeah, but again. I, I know some people have talked about, oh, they play better away from home, like, but they still don't lose. win. Yeah, so. they still lose. Um, yeah, they, see, they do seem to play a little more freer. But again, DePaul is an absolute must win. Um, you know, they're terrible. I mean, they're awful. They're one in, They're going to be one in seven after tonight. That's they're, that's not going to do anything for you. They're the worst team in the Power Five. Yeah, or Power Six. Cause Six, they, right. Yes, yeah, I would agree. And again, Arkansas and Pepperdine. Pepperdine. Arkansas State and Pepperdine. That's not going to do anything for you. Um, now, you, you definitely ratchet up the talent level when you play the team up the road, and then you go into ACC play. But in January alone, just glancing at that slate, you're playing Virginia twice. You're playing Duke. You're playing North Carolina. Uh, Wake Forest got their big man back. They won three straight. They blasted Rutgers tonight at home. Um, they're going. Uh, they play NC State. You don't have a a bottom feeder. Now you play Pitt. Come in here, and they're uh, they're meh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, you got to win those games in January. Uh, we're going to speak to Connor Morissette from USC football here in a few minutes. But we're going to get Kathy on first. Hey, Kathy, how are you? Well, I'm good. How are you? I tell you what, um, I want I want this Louisville football team to to beat USC so we can get well, that eleventh win. I do win. too. I I do too. And I, I'm sorry that uh, that Caleb Williams isn't going to play. Uh, wonder who the Louisville quarterback in the game's going to be? Will be you think you think Plummer will play? Um, I do. I do, Kathy. What about? Gerard Jordan and that. Uh, do you think we'll have very many opt-outs? Not, not that we've heard of. Now, of course, the the guys in the transfer portal, um, Josh Minkins, etc., uh, Raheem Craig, they're not going to play. About, How many have we lost so far? I believe it's seven. Seven, because it was six on Monday. Yes. And uh, um, what a. Uh, so what about the quarterback situation? Uh, do you think that we're going to get uh, a transfer come in? Well, we did last night. Tyler Shuck from Oregon slash Texas Tech. He um, was a highly rated prospect coming out of high school. He's extremely talented. However, he is injury prone. So that would be right, the only. I saw that. Yes. So and yeah. as of right now, he's penciled in to be your starter in 2024. Well, I hope Pierce Clarkson doesn't get discouraged and leaves us. Uh, I, I guess that from what I've heard from Mark and some of the other people, he kind of knew that he might have to sit and wait a while. Uh, but, um, you know, the Kansas State quarterback, uh, Will Howard, was interested in Louisville at one time. He but I, I think he'll probably end up elsewhere. But um, I, uh, I tell you, that game Saturday night was a defensive slugfest. And and I have, I'm sorry, Florida State didn't get into the playoffs. But I think that, I think that they kind of got their tail feathers picked a little bit because I don't. I don't think you'll hear them leaving the ACC for a while. I think that they 
uh, know that they're gonna ha- they're gonna be relevant. And if they go to the AC, if they go to the SEC, they're not gonna be big dog. Uh, you yeah. know. Oh yeah, and, and they uh, they were treated. They weren't treated like that as well. Kathy, thanks for the phone call. We got to get to our guest now. We want we want to get to him. Um, Connor Morissette from uscfootball.com joins us now. Connor, how are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I wanted to get your take on Hank Pepper. That's why I brought you on the show. He's he's a long snapper <laughs> for you guys. I mean, you know, your thoughts on uh, what he's going to bring uh, to the table for USC. Uh, that's funny. I know you're half joking, but USC did have one bad long snap on a field goal this year. So hopefully with an improved long snapper next season, that'll be cleaned up. Yeah, so... Um, Connor, uh, brought you on. I wanted to get some insight from um, the USC perspective. Of course, the Cars and the Trojans get set to kick things off on December 27th in beautiful San Diego. Um, So, Connor, first things first. We know, obviously, Caleb Williams is not going to play. What are other notable guys from USC that have um, opted out or you feel like might opt out here in the coming days? The only two right now that are for sure not going to play, it looks like Marshawn Lloyd, the really talented running back who transferred from South Carolina. Lincoln Riley spoke with the media this week, and he said Lloyd will not play. So that's another name. And then Brendan Rice has also accepted his senior bowl invite, so it doesn't look like he's going to play and he's going to prepare for the NFL instead. There are a few other players who have that option, but those are the big three right now for USC, and those are three of the best players on offense, so it's a big loss for sure. Wow, wow. So – where, where where's the team's mindset uh, as it stands right now? Obviously, seven and five is not up to traditional USC standards. Uh, started off uh, six and zero, oh, then uh, trailed off there at, at the end of the season. Where where do kind of things stand with Trojan Nation uh, and Coach Riley, et cetera, as you all head into the off season? Well, everyone's really excited to turn the page, and we saw Danton Lynn, the new defensive coordinator, get hired last Friday, so that's the first step to turning the page. They needed to bring in a replacement for Alex Grinch. They've done that. He, of course, won't coach in the bowl game, but just having him around campus, having him recruiting, that gave USC a jolt a little bit when they really needed one after finishing 1-5. and five. So they're in turn-the-page mode right now. I expect in the bowl game we'll see Miller Moss, the backup quarterback, who will fight for the starting job if he elects to stay, if USC takes a transfer uh, in that game against Louisville. And then you'll see some younger offensive linemen, some younger receivers it's just going to be a game of of youth i think defensively you'll see a lot more experienced guys because there won't be that many people leaving it's going to be a lot of players coming back but overall i i just say i keep going back to they're looking forward to next season already lincoln riley he's had one and a half recruiting classes you can say right now that first one he, he was hired in november and then snap of the finger he brings in one class 2020 three that was really the first class for USC it's time to turn those guys loose and that starts with the bowl game we're speaking to Connor Morris said publisher of uscfootball.com part of the 247 sports network Connor I, I always um, I love the 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 setup of 247 is it 247 or 247 or does it matter <laughs> that's a great question I think technically it's 247 but Either way, twenty four seven, two four seven. Everyone knows what you're saying if you use either one of those. There you go. Yeah, I know. I I just say two four seven, and I always think to myself, I wonder what what you call that. But uh, back to uh, Louisville, USC Holiday Bowl, December twenty seventh. Obviously, USC's defense left a lot to be desired this year. Um, Louisville's offense was pretty good, averaging thirty three points per game until um, being stonewalled in the ACC championship against Florida State. 
How will Louisville, Connor, in your opinion, be able to attack USC from an offensive standpoint? Well, all season long, USC really struggled to stop the run. That's been probably their most consistent issue. We all saw what Washington did against USC. They were a team that hadn't really run the ball that well, and then I think they were over 300 yards or something crazy in that game, scored over 50 points. So stopping the run has been a problem for USC. It's not like they've been that great against the pass either, but that's sort of where my mind goes when you ask me that question. And I don't know exactly what the Louisville opt-outs look like, so maybe they'll have a tougher time moving the ball than they would have if everyone's playing. But just based on how USC has lined up defensively this year, Louisville can attack them with their ground game. I know that running back has over 1,000 yards. He does a great job for the Cardinals, obviously. So that's where I kind of start. And then defensively, the offensive line for USC has struggled. So if you can get pressure on Miller Moss, who's likely to be the quarterback in the game, it'll be his first start. So we all know how pressure affects quarterbacks. I I look at that matchup. Receivers, I I think USC is pretty good. Running backs, even though their best guys are going to play, they're still pretty solid. But that offensive line and the defense have been the two biggest question marks all year, and Louisville can attack those for sure. So uh, defensively, um, is where is the, I guess, the greatest area of weakness um, with USC's defense? Is it the defensive line? Is it the secondary? A little bit of both? I'd probably start with the linebackers. USC just hasn't been able to get a consistent rotation all season long at that spot for whatever reason. So I start there. The defensive line got off to a great start this season, but once USC started playing better teams, the production with them kind of fell off. I think if I had to pick the strength, it probably would be the defensive line for USC, but they're not necessarily a strength when you just talk about college football overall. They're a strength for USC, but they wouldn't be a strength for some of the better programs out there. In the secondary, there are a lot of really good athletes, but they've just had some some brain farts out there, and they've allowed some explosive plays that just sort of make you scratch your head. So the talent is there in the secondary as well, but you look at some of the coaching mistakes that USC has had to deal with, that talented group hasn't looked very talented consistently this season. So I'd say strength, probably defensive line, weakness. I start with the linebackers, but everywhere hasn't been consistently good enough this season. And that has to be, this could be just a silly question, but that has to be a major surprise, correct? I mean, was was the defense expected to be much, much better than it turned out to be? That's absolutely correct. So in year two of Alex Grinch, we all know what happened a year ago. They got killed, in, or not killed, but defensively they got killed in that Cotton Bowl against Tulane. They lose in an embarrassing fashion. Utah embarrasses them. Just defensively, they couldn't stop anyone. So they recruit out of high school. They bring in a couple of guys who could help defensively. And then in the transfer portal, they bring in a lot of guys who are expected to help. And the defense was just as bad as it was a year ago. So that leads to Lincoln Riley firing Alex Grinch. And that's been a, a huge problem. I mean, you can call me a homer, but I really believe that USC was going to win the Pac-12 and make the college football playoff this season with the guys they added. And for the defense to be just as bad as it was last season, I'm still scratching my head. It's unfathomable what happened this season with USC defensively. So you're absolutely right to to think that. Um, so given where USC stands right now, you know, seven and five, uh, they lost um, five of the last six games. Is there any excitement about the Holiday Bowl, um, considering where the preseason expectations was? Could the could the fans be like, well, there could be a lot worse destinations, or is it just like since they missed the college football playoff or a New Year's Six game, uh, it's, it's whatever? I think there is a little bit of excitement for reasons that might not be obvious. You'll 
the fans will see a lot of guys who are really young, who they haven't seen a lot of this year because playing in a bowl game doesn't count against a red shirt for a guy. So I think that's been really exciting. And when Texas A&M opened up, I don't think it was realistic at all, but people just based on how this year has gone with USC were wondering, would Lincoln Rally maybe make a jump to a different school? Has LA not been everything that he was hoping for? And now that he's hired Danton Lynn, He's repeatedly said how invested he is in this program. He's back on the recruiting trail. I think the fan base was a little bit concerned with how the year ended. They were wondering if their head coach was committed. Lincoln Riley has shown he's really committed. And now we'll see some of the guys that he's recruited who we haven't seen throughout this season. That is a, um, a, a reason for fans to be excited. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Just some guys who were really highly ranked recruits who are redshirting for whatever reason. A lot of them are going to be in this bowl game. And that's getting the Trojan fans really excited. Yeah, I can see. I can see that certainly being being an angle, um, you know, for for a season that's been viewed as a disappointment to see some new guys in there and and look ahead to the future as USC transitions to the Big Ten. You know, nothing says the Big Ten like the West Coast, but I mean, you know, hey, that that, that that's where we are, uh, Connor. So Louisville and USC don't have very many ties, and I'm excited. Um, from the standpoint that, that USC and Louisville get to play each other in football because that would have never happened unless for the postseason in a bowl game um, like we have on December 27th. But there there is another small connection. That is on the basketball side. Trey White transfers over to Louisville. Um, your assessment of Trey his freshman year at USC and ha- how do you think he could improve as a player going forward for Louisville this season? He was an offensive spark plug off the bench for USC, started some games, came off the bench other games. When he came off the bench, he would provide instant offense. His length makes him a decent defender. I think he could improve there. His three-point shooting is the biggest thing that I would look at as an area to improve, and I haven't followed him this season, so if he's shooting the lights out and people are listening to this thing, what the heck am I talking about? I apologize for that. But when he was at USC last season, that was his problem. He had a lot of open threes because guys were worried about some other players and he just wouldn't knock him down. So his offensive game is really, really strong, and he can get to the bucket really well. He does make the occasional three, but I think the biggest area he can take a step forward is three-point shooting. At least that's what I saw from, from watching him a year ago. That's, that, that is a fair assessment, and yes, um, he still needs to work on that three-point shot. He has um, got, he did notch his first career double-double, um, and Coach Payne has been wanting him to, to put more emphasis on, on rebounding. But yeah, he, he's, done, he's done fairly well. Uh, early on in this basketball season. Connor, man, I appreciate you taking some time um, and joining us, sharing some knowledge with the USC football. And, you know, I, I think this is going to be um, a game. Again, I, I've seen several publications rate the Holiday Bowl as a top 10 bowl for for entertainment value alone. So I think this is going to be a really good game here in a few weeks. I'm really looking forward to it as well. I think now that people are more comfortable with players opting out, like it stinks that Caleb Williams isn't going to play. But on the flip side, if you're a diehard college football fan, it's going to be fun to see a guy in Miller Moss who was a top 200 prospect in his class go out and try to show Lincoln Riley what he's capable of. So I do think like the general public might not be as excited about it with some of these opt-outs, but if you're into college football, what's not to love with this matchup? I agree. Absolutely. Well, Connor, man, we certainly appreciate your time. Um, and uh, maybe we'll talk down the road. Louisville and USC could play a basketball one day. Who knows? <laughs> Happy to come on anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks. That's Connor Morissette of uscfootball.com. Again, like everybody, 
generally associated and when you're talking about college football USC this year defensively Zach I mean Louisville Louisville's offense you talk about having a get right game yeah this is the ultimate here for the Louisville offense is going up against that Trojan defense and I the way that I look at bowl games nowadays it's the first spring practice it's not it's the beginning of next season rather than the conclusion of this season because teams now are just so dramatically different with so many guys entering the transfer portal with so many guys deciding to opt to go to the NFL the team that you're gonna see in the bowl game is not the the team that you're seeing throughout the entire season so the way that I would look at it is this is kind of the first game of next year let's get the young guys going let's see what we got and then we got a real live exhibition to yeah. put them through rather than you know, a spring game, it's obviously controlled because people don't want to tackle and they don't want to go too hard. This is an opportunity to see them in a real game situation and an opportunity to kind of build toward something next season rather than really just the conclusion yeah. of this season. I think that's the way we got to look at bowl games now that aren't playoff games. Absolutely. And, and make no mistake about it, not being able to play in the Orange Bowl is a major bummer. Um, but I think as you know, a consolation prize playing in the Holiday Bowl, which is which is the traditional, uh, tra- traditional bowl game of, of more than forty years, playing a college football brand in USC is a fantastic opponent and something that would have never happened. Like USC and Louisville aren't going to schedule home and homes with one another, especially with now the Trojans going to the Big Ten, and it. Like I've told other people too, I don't care that they're seven and five. Like Louisville needs to win this game, no doubt about it. You need to win this game, and if if you know Caleb Williams isn't playing, their top receiver, their top running back aren't playing. But you know what? The record book's going to say if Louisville wins, Louisville beats USC in football in a bowl game. I'll take it. Yeah, nobody goes back to the Fiesta Bowl that Howard Schnellenberger beat Alabama and look at that Alabama team, which was 7-4 and four or something like that. And the only reason they got in is because there was some controversy around, I think, the Martin Luther King bill or something. So they ended up going to that game. Nobody cares that they were not very good. Louisville beat Alabama. That stands out 30-some-odd years later. It's still regarded as one of the highlights of Louisville football history. This wouldn't be at that level, but beating USC in San Diego – is still a massive deal for this program. If nothing else, you don't want to end the year like 2016, where you yeah, end on a three straight losses, yeah. straight losses, and it does, no matter how successful the season was, and I think it's still a successful season, even if they lose, but it does put a significant damper on mm-hmm. it if they do. Yeah, and you know, winning 11 games. I'm not sure how many times Louisville's done that before. I think maybe four. If this could be the school's, what, fifth? 11-win season, I mean, that's historic, and that's fantastic. So, um, you know, I'm I'm very excited for this game. I'm very excited. I, I, again, I would have loved to go to the Orange Bowl. Now, I wouldn't have loved playing Georgia as the opponent. But, you know, again, I'll, if you're talking that you missed out on a New Year's Six game because the, the playoff committee got it wrong, then, you know, I'll take a Holiday Bowl against USC as a consolation prize. This is Louisville's... 26th bowl game they're 12 12 and 1 so they're going to have a winning record or a losing record in bowl games after this one and this is the first time louisville and usc have ever played each other like that is awesome this is much better you could end up worse as though like you could play rutgers or miami or somebody i mean miami i guess is an elite ish program and obviously a conference boat now but this is 
an opportunity that is still there, and it should be something that should be easy to rally around. And it's historic because this will be the last Pac-12 game USC will play. That's right. I mean, that, that's that's historic. Uh, let's go bang out some text. We, uh, we've we neglected the UPS Jobs text line 3831-939. We will not any longer. Anybody ask Jeff Brom about why he went for it on fourth and whatever late in the game, basically gifting Florida State the field goal to put them, put us up by two, put them up by two scores. I think he's just trying to make a play. Um, you know, Louisville wasn't generating anything offensively. It's fourth quarter. It's do or die. I think that's why it was. Yeah, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. Texture says, did you guys hear the last question from the KP Coaches Show? Can you tell us why young people can learn by going through adversity? Hit all of KP's buzzwords, and you can tell he was giddy to answer that one, LOL. Yeah, I mean, it, we need to ask, like, what are you what are you doing to win games? Why are you only 4-4? Four and four? Those are the questions that need to be asked, not about learning through adversity. The program's been through enough adversity. The fans have been through enough adversity. It's time to win. But no, Texture, I did not hear that question. But yeah, that that was a meatball for sure. That was a softball. That is why we need Sean Miller or Chris Beard. Texture says. Texture says, I don't care anymore. I watch every every game, but when we lose, I'm not even mad. It's like I'm numb to it, and I never wanted to feel that way about U of L basketball. But here we are, our friend Chris the Plumber. You know, I've been listening to the same complaints for the last three or four years. We were spoiled by back-to-back Hall of Famers. Look around, UCLA basketball, Miami or Nebraska or USC (laughs) Tennessee football. It may be many years before we find ourselves. Hope not, but who knows? UCLA basketball just went to the Final Four a couple years ago, so it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Nebraska, I get it. Tennessee football, I get it. You know, Miami football, I get it. I think USC has been a little bit more... Um, successful. Yeah. Um, but I don't like the phrase spoiled. No. Because over the last six or seven years, we fans have not been spoiled by Louisville basketball because we've had scandal after scandal, embarrassment after embarrassment, and then losing season, and then, you know, the worst season in 82 years. I don't, Louisville basketball fans haven't been spoiled at all. I mean, that's what you are when you're like a premier program. You just win a lot. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, certainly, uh, you know, Alabama football fans, yes. <laughs> yeah, big. They're spoiled. A little bit. Little yeah, bit. Yes. So, close games, and you still lose. Louisville is not a team that pays attention to details. We don't do anything good. No good defense, no good offense, no three-point shooting. He just preaches get to the paint and get to the foul line. Yeah. Yeah, What's I think that's ultimately one of the questions about this team is what's our identity? Every good team has an identity, has something that they are known for. What is their identity? I think it's getting to the foul line offensively, and I don't know what it is defensively. Now, maybe with Tyler Johnson, it's full-court pressing. That's what Patino's team's identity was, full-court pressure. They were going to run and gun. Their offense, they were going to take the ball to the basket. Mm -hmm. Every good team in any sport has an identity. Texture says, our game uh, versus the team up the road needs to be the first game or the fourth game again. The last week sucks. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't like that. But that's strictly a television decision. That is, um, that's not going to change. Unfortunately, I'm with you. I love it being the first game, and I wouldn't even hate it being the third game. You know what I mean? You yeah. Be the third game, you could get a couple game warm up games under your belt. Uh, the weather was always nice. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you there. I do like, did you see this, that Oregon and Oregon State are going to play again yeah. starting next year? Like, that rivalry is not going to die. Same with Washington-Washington State. Yeah, like any athletic director tells you, we can't play this rivalry, they're lying. Because they can move games if they really want to. And I hope the team up the road in Louisville continue that rivalry And because there's, of course, been speculation after what happens next year. If they really want to play that game, they can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Texter says... Um, then don't watch the games anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little fan. You know what I mean? Like, and then if I'm doing the post game, plus I was gonna say you get paid to do so. You got to do the post game. Yeah, when I do the post game, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just want though, like, if you beat, like, you should beat the next three teams. I want those to be no doubters, and then you can say, okay, like, boom. Even the twenty point win over Coppin State, it was ugly. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like from start to finish. I mean, it was the dominant game. But I'm going to look up. It was a terrible game to watch. Absolutely. Like you can, and then when you watch, like last night, I watched Jimmy V Classic. They're not even in the same stratosphere. No, and that's, and see, and that's. They always talk about in football, like you want to look like you belong, like you want to look like the big tough team when they walk off the bus and you see all those 300-pound linemen. Like when you watch North Carolina, UConn, FAU, I can't believe we're throwing FAU into this, but in Illinois, it just looks like they're playing a completely different sport. Oh gosh, Zach, you're gonna love this. Okay. Coppin State is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one and eight. Oh, Coppin State, guess who their win is against? It's a Louisville opponent. UMBC by 19 points. Oh boy. How did we miss that? That was last week. Wow. I mean, we're not exactly dialed in on Coppin State UMBC. Let's just keep it a keep it real with the people. We're not yeah. sitting around watching that game. Uh Texture says, um Texture says in jest tells Zach he needs to be older to under to understand about UCLA. I do I guess he was comparing about, you know, the, the John Wooden years. Yeah, no, like I, I do understand about UCLA. I re- even I'm, but I'm 30, and I watched Darren Collison, De- Kevin Love. They went to three straight Final Fours in the mid 2000s, so I do know that they have a history. Haven't heard from Butch Beard or Jerry um, in a long time. Where are they? Where are they now? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people right now. Um, I, I think most of us. You either want the decision made to move on or you're just strictly wait and see. And unfortunately, I think the vast majority of fans are like, I've talked to so many friends that are that are big Louisville fans, and they simply, it is not a priority anymore. I don't, I don't care to watch them. I don't know when they play. Um, They're better family people now because they don't have to pay attention to yeah. all the games. And, and a lot of, a lot of the – the fan friends and fans that I just talked to are like I'm not I'm not really investing until they get another coach. Yeah, and so but that is the task now. And again, we've been saying it, and I'm going to repeat it. You got to get to the tournament if you want to. If you truly want to change the narrative, you have to get to the tournament. And again, don't you know? Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. We've seen absolutely nothing that will tell us that this will be a tournament team. I'm just saying that is where we need to be. The bar, you know, at eight and thirty-two, like there has to be a massive historic turnaround, or people will continue to tune out. I mean, look no look no further than the stands. You hate to see it like that, but I mean, P- 
people are speaking and people are speaking by not showing up. When you see the crowd shots before the game and like you could walk in there probably and just walk in and you, I don't even know if you have to have a ticket at this point or if you just walked in with one of your friends and they sat across the row, you could have a conversation. They could probably hear you pretty clearly. That's obviously an issue. Like You want to see a raucous crowd. You want to be reminded of what a big game day at the Yum Center feels like. And, yes. and it has not been the case for a long Since, time. I mean, 2019? 19, yeah, because I guess. That, that, yeah, because 2021, they weren't. I don't think they had fans still, yeah. did they? Uh, no, yeah, I mean, a, a tradition, yeah, the 20, it was 19, 20 year that, that Louisville was 24 and 7, then COVID yep. cut it short. But then that number one versus number four matchup was, t- was 2019. And yep. that's why Louisville's going to be back. With the right coach, Louisville will be back. Make no mistake Absolutely. about it. Uh, one more text, and then we'll, we'll uh, it's time for our first hour break. Texter says, I can remember looking forward to talking smack and just talking basketball, people at work. Now I avoid it. Same, bro. Same. Like, the fans of the team up the road, when it comes to basketball, they don't even rub it in. They don't even rub it in because, they know, like, I'm just like, I don't have anything to say. Like, yeah, you're right. Oh, we're going to beat you all on December 21st. I get right. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to try to argue about this? Because I'm not. I mean, I don't have anything to say. And that is what's been missing, among many other things, that component. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, more of your texts, more of your phone calls, more football and basketball discussion. We'll give you some names um, on all this moving and shaking going on in the portal. You're listening to Louisville Sports Live right here on 93.9 The Ville. We'll be right back. Welcome back into hour number two of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all-UFL sports talk show as legendary 90s rapper OC brings us back from the break. Another classic joint from DJ Premier. That's what we do at LSL 2, 90s hip-hop rejoins. You know what you love it. Our next guest is making his LSL debut, Mason Horatsky from WHS 11. Mason, how are you, sir? Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's actually Mason Horodisky, but I think the whole mispronouncing last name thing is a pretty good segue for what we're about to get into. <laughs> what, say, like, I want to lie to everybody listening and say that we planned that, but we didn't. My apologies, Mason. Um, All good. So, um, Tyler Shuck. Did I get that one right? Yeah. Okay, I'm one, I'm one for two. Uh, so, you covered him back at your time in Lubbock, so you have a unique perspective um, for fans in this market. So, Mason, tell us what you know about Tyler um, from your years covering him. Yeah, no, uh, I actually just came here to Louisville about six months ago after working and uh, covering Texas Tech down in Lubbock for two years. I got down there about halfway through the 2021 season. So the real first kind of full season that I got to watch Tyler play was back in 2022. And albeit that was a limited year, as people have probably gotten to see a little bit now with his injury history, but 2022 is by far and away the year that sticks out to me that 
was his best possible year. Uh, he got hurt in the first game against Murray State, ends up coming back against TCU and almost mounting a little bit of a comeback against a team that obviously went to the college football playoff that year. From then on out, every game he started, he won. He pretty much willed Texas Tech into the uh, bowl picture from then on out and ended up coming out on top with a Texas Bowl MVP. The kid is just, at the end of the day, when he's healthy, a gamer. No other way to put it. I think that when you look at what he brings to the table and what he did at Texas Tech, a lot of it could translate pretty well to what Jeff Brom does with his offense. Yeah, very, very interesting indeed. So what does he do well? I've seen clips and I've seen other talking heads on social media talk about he's, he's really good with the deep ball. He's very cerebral, very smart, good decision maker. Um, what do you think his best attributes are? I think the long ball is certainly one of them. Uh, you look at some of the targets that he's had down in Lubbock, whether that be uh, you know briefly Eric Esitanma, who's in the NFL now, or this past season briefly Loic Fungi and uh, Duran Bradley. Uh, he knows how to get the ball down the field. That also comes with the territory when you do have a guy like Zach Kitley calling plays for you in Texas Tech, and you are running more of an air raid style offense. I do think he's a quarterback that probably – would be a little bit more comfortable in the pro style that Brom kind of runs here in Lubbock, or in Louisville, rather. I think that might translate a little bit better to his game. He also does kind of bring a little bit more of a dual threat to the table. And I think that's what really stands out to me and why I think this is a good fit. I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and be like a Lamar or Malik Cunningham, sure. but he definitely is going to be able to guy that kind of can escape out of the uh, pocket, get you maybe an extra yard or two, and I, I do think that, once again, this is just a really, really solid fit. Is it the Kyle McCord? Is it the DG, DJ Uyunglele? Not necessarily, but when it comes to fit, this makes sense. I can't tell you the amount of times, and I'm not just saying this to make him you know, sound better than he might actually be, that I was sitting in the press boxes over at uh, Cardinal Stadium this year and watching some games unfold. And, again, Tyler's been one of the only quarterbacks I've ever covered besides, uh, obviously, this past season here in Louisville for college football. So, Watching these games and in the back of my mind being like, huh, it'd be interesting to see Tyler Shuck there. It's going to be actually kind of cool to now see it play out in real life. Nice. Well, look at Nostradamus. I see you from from the press box. There you go. (laughs) So how does he differ? And your breakdown of him, you probably already answered it, but how does he differ from Jack Plummer? I think he does have a little bit more of a running capability to him. I think that he does have a little bit more mobility in the pocket. And again, there were some plays, and Jack, I think, had a great year, obviously, this year. You don't, you know, play bad and get your team to 10 wins. just not how that really operates most of the time. Uh, obviously, you struggle a little bit more down the stretch, but when you look at some of the plays where there were those dump-offs, dump-offs rather, to Jawar Jordan or Isaac Arendo, where Jack maybe could have escaped the pocket and ended up getting to the yards for himself, I think Tyler kind of brings that extra option to the table where he could get himself a first down. He could get himself in the red zone. He could get himself in the end zone. So I think having that kind of extra option not only helps guys like Jawar and Isaac, you know, taking some plays off them, but kind of just to diversify and really kind of get the full potential out of what Brom's trying to do. And also, too, the consensus has been from talking to folks around, you know, college football, uh, arm strength. He he's got he's got a very solid arm and you know, a much better arm in terms of like I guess velocity on his ball as opposed to Plummer. Would would that be an accurate assessment? I think so. I think he's got a little bit better of an arm at this point in time. Again, all this kind of remains to be seen with how he does bounce back from this injury. 
Uh, if you want to look at it with glass half full, yes, he has had a good amount of injuries. But every time he's had an injury, he's been able to bounce back, and he's never really taken a step back when he's back out on the field. What you get with Tyler, what you see with Tyler Shuck out there is usually what you get. And uh, I think at the end of the day, once again, this is just a solid fit if he's able to come back and be healthy. Well, Mason, I was going to end it with this, man. Um, you talked about what I think the only, like, I guess negative, if you will, of this is how injury prone he is. I mean, I think through three years, he started 11 games, broken tibia, I believe, collarbone, another shoulder uh, injury. What do you know about those injuries? Were they like freakish or was it just bad luck or maybe a little bit of both? I think a little from column A and a little from column B. Uh, When I was there, it was another collarbone injury, which was kind of, you know, something that was already, or when I got there rather in 2021, his, his first stint in 2021, that was a collarbone injury. And I think uh, his shoulder injury in 2022 was kind of re-aggravated by at least something like that. Last year seemed to be more of just a freak injury and happens uh, when they played West Virginia. But again, when he is out there, there's no doubt that he knows how to run and command an offense. I think, again, this is a great fit on and off the field for what Louisville has. If you want a game to really get the whole Tyler Shuck experience, go back and watch the Texas Tech game with Ole Miss in the okay. Texas Bowl of 2022. It's got a little bit of everything. There's, it shows his running prowess. It shows him throwing the long ball. It shows his decision-making. It's got a little bit of the good. It's got a little bit of the bad. It pretty much gives you everything you need to know about Tyler Shuck. And at the end of the day, if this works, I again, think it's a great fit. If it doesn't work, Tyler has been in situations at Texas Tech where there were guys like Donovan Smith and Baron Morton behind him where having a guy like that in the quarterback room helped get more out of him at the end of the day. Hence why Baron Morton is probably going to end up being the starter at Texas Tech this year and had to compete with Tyler for that QB job every single year that he was there. Yeah. Uh, when you have guys like Pierce and Brady behind Tyler now, I think having a guy obviously that's been in college football that long can only help. Absolutely. Uh, well, Mason, I never thought that I would watch the 2022 Texas Bowl, but now I will. At some point, I'm, I'm going to sit down and watch that bad boy and get that full shuck experience. Uh, and I appreciate your insight, and I appreciate you stopping by, and we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Oh, quick side note, too. He also had food poisoning going into that game. Fun little nugget. You want to get into that. All right. So he has his own MJ flu game as well. Okay. All right. Listen, the dude's a gamer. That's what he calls it. But uh, I think the finals and uh, the Texas Bowl are a little bit different. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would would agree. Mason, man, thank you so much for your time. We certainly appreciate it. Check him out on WHS 11. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Mason Horatsky. Horitsky is what he's Horitsky. There you go. Gosh, I'm going to get that, Mason. I'm One of these days. Horitsky. Yeah. WHS 11. Yeah. Cool insight, man. I saw him on Twitter dropping uh, some knowledge on Tyler Shuck. And, you know, again, the highlights are impressive. Sure. What he can do is impressive. It's just I'm the injuries are a concern, man. The upside is there, but it's one of those you wonder why a guy's been in the portal, what, three times now? Like, there's kind of a reason for it, and it's mostly because he can't stay healthy. But that's if he stays healthy, yeah, he's got all the talent in the world. And, look, Louisville's a program that, at least right now, is not going to go into the high school ranks and get the top five quarterbacks, top ten quarterbacks. So this is where you're going to make your hay for now 
is in the portal. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm watching on one TV. We're watching Marquette, Texas on one, and I'm watching DePaul, Texas A&M, and the Blue Demons are showing why they're 1-6. and six. Uh, They're down 24-10 already on Texas A&M. He's ranked number 21. 12-30 to go. Uh, the Blue Demons play zero defense. I mean, no, they play less than zero. If there's gosh. a negative number. That's what they play. I think A and M shooting like seventy percent from the <clears> field. And I'm not exaggerating. Um, I think they do have some people that can maybe um, shoot the ball a little bit. Churchill Abbas, you might remember that name. Yeah, uh, he is playing for DePaul now. But yeah, twenty-four to ten, and based on. What we're seeing, man, they don't play any defense. So, no, this has to be a big game for Tyler Johnson. This has to be a big game for Brandon Hutfield Hatley. These are guys that Hatley Hutfield. Uh, but these have got to be moments where Louisville's offense steps up and has one of those explosive 80, 90 point games. It's yeah. right there for them. And I think, you know, they team. might, it might be a track meet. I mean, I can see DePaul scoring on them as their big man just totally ignored the inbounds pass. It's going to be, I have a feeling. It could be ugly, but it's going to be like entertaining ugly, like 86 to 80 or something like, like that. Like a Big 12 football game. Yeah. DePaul can shoot the three a little bit. Yeah. They can, but again, they don't play in defense. So there, there is your DePaul Blue Demon basketball update. There it is. That's the one that everybody asked for, right? So As Texas A&M just walked into another wide open three. Exactly. So do you think, Zach, do you think, um, are you surprised at all that that Coach Brom and staff went all in this early on Chuck with the, with the injury concerns, um, or they're like, listen, if he's healthy, Brom knows how to develop QBs, obviously, yeah, and they're just banking on his health being one hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's it. I think their number one choice probably would have been DJ Uyagalale, but I don't think they got the sense that he was going to come to Louisville. So, in the, if that happened to be the case. I don't mind them going after Tyler Shuck. Tyler Shuck, as we've talked about, he's got all the physical talent. He's got a rocket for an arm. He can move around a little bit, so he's not a statue. And he's been more of a playmaker than Jack Plummer's been. I think he's kind of a step above and a guy that you're going to be able to win games because of, not just necessarily with. But, again, that's what we keep coming back to is the injury thing. So, no, I'm really not that surprised. Plus, you're able to make this move in December, so you get to have – early uh, winter practice, you get to have spring practice, you get a full, almost a full calendar year before he starts playing football in September. You've got a long way to be able to uh, prepare with him, get him acclimated with the offense. I, I don't see anything but downside or upside to this. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Again, s- some positions you might, you know, have a little bit more reservations, but not when it comes to Coach Brom and the quarterback. Because you, no, you, you're going to see that. I trust Jeff Brown with quarterbacks. We've seen what he did with Aiden O'Connell, who was a walk-on, mm-hmm. and now he's starting games in the NFL. Exactly. Jeff Brown knows exactly what he's doing with quarterbacks. Exactly. So um, now we're going to bounce back and forth. We can talk some more hoops. We can talk some some pigskin. Uh, a couple of names that, to watch in terms of Louisville's interest from the portal. Um, I love the fact that it looks like Arkansas linebacker Chris Pooh Paul. Uh, you know, Pooh Paul. His nickname is Pooh. Oh, um, his nick- I was going to say it sounds like a smaller version of Jason Pierre Paul. Remember, yeah. so, hopefully, Pooh Paul knows how to uh, set off fireworks correctly. Yeah. So, Pooh, yeah, Pooh Paul is a linebacker. Uh, Louisville offered him recently. Um, NC State offensive lineman Lyndon Cooper, Ohio State cornerback Cam Martinez, Duke defensive lineman Aeneas Peebles. Uh, he's he's a name that I think. In terms of talent, 
um, that can really make an impact. I know the staff really likes him. Uh, a couple of others, um, Thor Griffith. I mean, you talk about a defensive tackle. I believe he's from Harvard. Thor Griffith, five-star name. I don't know about the prospect rating, but he's a five-star name, Thor Griffith. Um, also, Will Lee, cornerback from Kansas State. He has a Adidas trifecta, so maybe some uh, NIL money from that. I believe it's Texas A&M, Washington, and Louisville are his final three, a very talented uh, defensive back there. Anybody surprising you coming out from the portal from Louisville so far? I mean, I'm not shocked at all. Um, you know, Minkins got a lot of run in that ACC championship, yeah. but he also was hurt and didn't play a whole lot. Mm, yeah, oh. I don't think anybody all that surprising as far as I'm concerned. We know Louisville's going to be very active in the portal. They're one of those schools, if you do portal rankings – they're very high up there. 247 Sports is, what did they use, the word hottiness or something like New that? New hotness. New hotness to describe Louisville's at, uh, involvement with Transfer Portal. And we saw what happened last year. They had the second-ranked Transfer Portal class in the country, and obviously it panned out for them. And this is the quickest way for a new coach with a program that's on the upswing to get guys that are experienced, not guys that you necessarily have to develop right away. They're going to be experienced. They know what they're doing. They're adults. They've played college football before. I think you want to have a nice mix between high school talent versus portal talent. But right now, Jeff Brom is cleaning up in the portal, and it's really hard to argue with his success there. So if you're a guy that's in the portal, Louisville is one of those programs that you look at. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question about it. They have the momentum of going to the ACC championship game. It's a winnable conference. It's a place that, as we've seen, the fan support is certainly there on the football side. This was as good of a home atmosphere as we've seen in this stadium in a long, long time. Yes. And it's if you were here for the Notre Dame game, or yeah, it was perfect. Exactly. It was perfect. If you visited for the Notre Dame game, those guys, you'd be ready to commit. Yeah. Like you need more of those. And the momentum is certainly there for that to happen. Yeah. So I think for me, I want, I mean, quarterback has already been decided again. I think it just comes down to health and that's a big, that's a big if. I mean, it is. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty big if. Talent, I'm good. Best ability is availability, as they say. There you go. And so, and I think, too, with Garendo moving on, I'm not sure, I believe, there's the potential for Jawar Jordan to have one more year of eligibility. Yeah, uh, he does, has another year if he wants it. Is Shuck, you know, high school teammates reuniting? Mm -hmm. Could that be enough to keep him to stay in an additional year? I mean. Well, he tweeted at it that he seemed very supportive of it, and he seemed to imply that, if we get Tyler Shuck, maybe we run this back. That would be cool. I mean, that that would be a recruiting coup as well. Absolutely. I mean, you have an all you know all ACC type of running back. Yeah. Um. You know. I wonder if Thrash. Do you think Thrash comes back? Early indication. My gut tells me no. Yeah, I think he might consider it after the way that the season ended. But my guess is he probably goes. Yeah. I, I think too uh, that that lingering injury could work. You know, one of two ways. It could be like. It could get him to go because of injuries. Because you need to get the paycheck exactly. as soon as you can. Or it could get him to stay because he's been injured for so long and he you know, he tailed off. You know, and so did Jawar with those injuries right. from the first six to the last six. Still had a hell of a season mm -hmm. for both of those young men, but still they were they lost some momentum in terms of their statistics they put up because of their injuries. So right. maybe maybe they come back there. Uh we'll we'll see what happens. But 
this is an exciting time, man. Like the tr- the transfer portal is, especially for college football, it is free agent season. You know, who are they offering? Are they going to visit? Or if um, if they if they visit, will they commit right away? So. I do you think, like that it's happening this time of year? Because there's a big debate about do you push the portal back until after the season's over, which includes the bowl games. You know, you even have people that are playing in big bowl games or playoff games that some of those guys are entering entering the portal. Plus, you've got National Signing Day, which happens to be in early December. And that's a whole lot for a coach to have on his plate before he has to coach one more game. Like I th- think there should be one portal season and one signing. I don't think they should do the two signings anymore. Um, right. push, push that back to February. Go back to February. Mm-hmm. And then that way, too. And it allows the high school athlete, because let's face it, there's a lot of situations now where it hurts the high school athlete. Yeah. Because they're now secondary. You're going to get you're gonna get a quarterback in here. And you're going to get... And like, you know, like Kathy asked, and, and several other fans have asked, you know, how does that impact Pierce Carson? Will it impact him negatively? In this case with Louisville and Pierce, no, because... I think the line of communication with Pierce, his father, um, Coach Brom, et cetera, have been upfront and honest. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's Pierce, not is, impact that. Pierce is going to compete for the backup job. Yes. And listen, to be honest with you, with Shuck's injury. You're competing essentially not to be the starter, but if you get the backup job, there's a pretty decent chance you're yes. going to get to play next yeah. year. So, And again, another one, Brady Allen, another four-star prospect from high school. So mm-hmm. you have four – you have two four-star high school guys competing to be the backup. Now, whoever loses that competition will likely transfer, yeah. you would think. Yeah, they're out. Um, but still, you, you still have another four-star guy coming in to redshirt and Deuce Adams, who will be enrolling early. Yes. So you have plenty of talent, plenty of potential, and I know the staff really likes Deuce Adams. Yeah. I think he's kind of getting slept on a little bit as well. But – I'm not saying that it's a sure thing that Shuck is guaranteed to be the starter. I think a lot of people just assume when a guy from the portal comes to you, that means he's been given assurances that he's going to start, and I don't think that's the case. No. I mean, not when you have talented guys waiting in the wings. Um, But, again, I I think when you have that competition, like we all knew this was different. Plummer was the guy from day one. There was little competition because, let's face it, I mean, as, you know, I think – Plummer has been good, not great, but he was still a lot better than Brock Doman. Yes. A lot better than Evan Conley. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a reason he started every game exactly, this year. There's exactly. a reason Brom never really considered going elsewhere. And, and no disrespect to those young men because they, they played their butts off for Louisville and Brock Doman um, won the bowl game last year for Louisville. Brock Doman won the game at Virginia last season as well. Uh, and then Evan Conley... Helped seal the game in Sats' first year when they beat a ranked uh, Wake, Wake Forest team in Winston-Salem. So those young men um, have given their blood, sweat, and tears to the university, and we're certainly appreciative of them. But, yeah, to your point, um, you know, Plummer was so bad in that Florida State game. I mean, at halftime, I truly felt that, Bl- that Brom should have just rolled with somebody else just because it got to that point where, where Plummer was in his head. He was his own worst enemy. Yeah, if nothing else, you need to pull him for a series or two just to get his head back into the game. But you got to see what other guys can step up in that situation. Like, they could not have been doing any worse than Plummer. And, you know, if you have enough confidence to put those guys in the game, then you got to do it. Yeah. And then, but also, too, let's be completely fair. 
Uh, Callaway dropped a beautifully thrown ball by Plummer in the first quarter mm-hmm. down the sideline. Yep. Hit him in stride, and he just dropped it. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see what's happening here. A couple of scores for you. Number eight, Marquette, is all over number 12, Texas, 62-38. to 38. And Clemson, uh, now newly ranked at number 24, is battling with in-state rival South Carolina at Clemson. And right now, um, Clemson is on comeback. Number 24, Clemson is down a point, 47-46. And just a few moments ago, South Carolina was up eight. And so... Uh, the Tigers are making a comeback in the ACC. Let's go. Come on. You've got an, another SEC opponent. Let's let's start winning these things. So we'll see what happens here. 947 left there. I believe South Carolina will be at the free throw line there. So um, a great game there uh, in uh, rivalry action. ACC, SEC, another ACC. Boy, Marquette's battle. making quite a statement right now. They yes. are blowing it open against Texas. And they are, it is so fun. they're so fun to watch. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they just get up and down. Shaka uh, is getting a little bit of revenge against uh, his former employer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Shaka's taking it out on Texas right now. Oh man, he left voluntarily. How they didn't I fire for- him. How did I forget that? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's running it up. Oh, he's gonna run it up if he gets the opportunity to run it up. I think he's a really good coach. It just didn't happen to work at Texas for whatever reason. And- but he's making it work at Marquette. That's for sure. And kudos to. Um- the people at Fox on this Big Ten, Big East, or Big 12, Big East showdown yeah. to put these two teams in there. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man, you got all the storylines. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, that was not coincidental that they no. had Texas versus Marquette. It's like yeah. if the ACC-SEC challenge had decided to make Louisville and LSU play in women's basketball. But I know that was such, oh, oh, was that was right such a layup. It, it really was. Well, I, I'm hopeful that Louisville, you know, with the ACC going to 18 and the SEC at 16 next year, that Louisville's going to be one of those 16 teams that'll play, actually, in the challenge. <laughs> we can year. only hope. Hopefully we don't play SEC powerhouse Bellarmine next year. I mean... Like, that is another one of those things. We've talked about small things. Mm-hmm. or not. It's not really all that small, but indictments. That is an indictment. When there's an ACC-SEC challenge that you're not a part of because your league has more teams than the other one and they just happen to pick you to not be playing. Like, imagine if you're in the backyard... Everybody in the neighborhood is playing, but your family has one more kid than the other family that you're playing, and you're the one that doesn't get to play because yeah. you're the liability. You're yeah, you're looking off in the distance. Just, yes, you know. Oh, I'm, I wish I could play. Good luck, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't. You're not gonna feel too good about that. The UPS jobs text line thirty eight thirty one ninety three nine. Texter says, with the way the portal works, I think a lot of high school recruits really need to think their collegiate aspirations. So many kids need to go down a step, honestly, especially if they aren't sniffing the field by their red shirt second or third year. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of things, case in point with Louisville, I mean, I think by and large, the six or seven guys, six out of the seven guys, I believe, that are, that have announced officially for the portal, um, maybe not six. I think Raheem Craig and Josh Minkins were, were guys that you saw. Jackson Hamilton certainly had some some potential Several other of the players, Isaiah Reed, like they didn't see the field. And, you know, I'm not saying they're not power four players. We got to start saying power four now. But, you know, are they going to drop down to a group of five? Again, listen, if you're a scholarship athlete playing Division One football, if you're G5, whatever, more power to you. Most people can't do that. Case in point, Popeye Williams. 
Um, he was a four-star guy from Indianapolis. Yep. Um, never, never kind of got run, and he never got run here um, at Louisville. But he's going to transfer. I believe he's going to Ball State. That's right. Yeah, he did, he is going to Ball State. And you like all these guys that have transferred three, four times. Like we got to curtail that at some point, don't we? Mm-hmm. Like we can't just have you being able to transfer at will and just kind of use it up like NFL free agency. They're, they've got to do some form of limitation on the transfer portal that, because it's it's getting out of control. So what what type of what type of adjustments would you make? Because remember, the, the governing body, allegedly, the NCAA, mm-hmm. was asleep at the wheel, and now it's almost kind of like the wild, wild west. Yeah, I think you should be able to do one free transfer, and then after that you have to sit for a year, unless there's extraneous circumstances like death in the family or coaching change or something like that. But you shouldn't be able to just pack up and walk around and say, oh, I'm playing at this college one year, this college the next year, this college the next year. It's just making a mockery of the whole thing. And there should be more power with the schools and with the coaches. Now, there shouldn't be there, – there needs to be a happy medium, and they never found it. Yeah, It used to be where coaches and the programs had all the power, which was wrong. Now it seems like all the players have all the power, which is wrong as well. they they got to figure out a way to have a medium. And I don't, I don't know if there's a perfect answer for it, but the way it is right now, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not. It's not when you have two thousand kids enter the portal. Not all of them are going to find a landing spot. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, or at least at the same level. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, we've gotten some lot of questions. We don't have a text on this, but there's two names that were um, rumored to be hopping into the portal with Cardinal connections. As of right now, that doesn't appear to be happening. That is DeAndre Moore and Ruben mm-hmm. Owens. Of course, those were um, two young men that were, were committed to Louisville football um, for a long period of time, along with Pierce Clarkson. Uh, they were that talented trifecta that was going to, um, you know, take take Louisville by storm. Of course, Pierce, out of those three, were the only uh, was the only um, gentleman to actually sign with Louisville. Of course, Ruben Owens is at Texas A&M, and DeAndre Moore. He's one of the few Texas A&M guys that haven't entered the portal. I don't know yeah, if you've yeah. seen the portal stuff, oh, yeah. but that entire recruiting class from two years ago, that was the number one class of all time. Pretty much the entire class is in the portal by now. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so, again, that's something to keep an eye on. There was a lot of scuttlebutt about that at one point, but now I think that's died down. So, uh, as we all know, the portal is fluid and things can change, but as it stands currently, it looks like DeAndre Moore and Ruben Owens are staying at their uh, their respective schools in the Lone Star State, but listen, if they if they hop in the portal, Louisville needs to go grab those guys because those are two game changing talents at at you know positions of need, especially if Jawar Jordan were you know were to move on, and you know he's also at that age as well where you know he's got to go get his bag too. So you know we'll see we'll see what happens there. But again, I don't know. I mean, I think there's also going to be a lot of names that we haven't heard about. There's going to be some surprises like, oh, really? He's making a visit? Remember, you just said we threw out that number 2,000. We talked about seven or eight names now that we know that Louisville's at least interested in. And then Will Lee himself, a very talented cornerback from Kansas State, tweeted out his final three already. Three Adidas schools. So hopefully um, that 
NIL arm of Adidas football. That's exactly what it is. Oh, if, if they're all three Adidas schools, that yep. means Adidas is absolutely involved in the NIL. There's no question. Uh, speaking of Adidas schools and recruiting, Zach, uh, did you see who Rutgers pulled in again? Yeah, they just got one of the top five players in basketball, I think, for next year's class. Two in the top five. Two in the top five, that's right. For it- Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers has been pretty good the last couple of years. Let's not get it twisted, but mm-hmm. Rutgers signing two top five guys, that's like Jim Valvano's wet dream back in the day. I'm telling you, man, I think the fact, though, that it, but it tells you that Adidas, an Adidas school outside of Kansas, can recruit at this level. Yeah. And again, I'm, the NIL game obviously has to be strong. I believe the kids are from the area. And, you know, something, again, that was why the Big Ten invited Rutgers in the, in the first place was, of course, that, that New York uh, market, even though, again, let's, let's face it, Rutgers basketball, Rutgers football is well down the Yeah, they got the, the it's pole. Dylan Harper, Ron Harper Jr.'s younger brother, and, of course, Ron Harper, the legendary Chicago mm-hmm. Bull, his dad. So you so, got a little legacy going on there. So Dylan Harper is from Don Bosco Prep in Ramsey, New Jersey, so... Um, that's close to Rutgers. His final four were Duke, Kansas, Indiana, and Auburn. You talk about three blue bloods in Auburn. There you go. Yeah. Ace Bailey, number three, small forward. He is from Powder Springs, Georgia. So, again, and check this out, too. If you look at the top ten, you have um, Jaleel Bathia. He is number seven going to Miami. Flory Bidguna, uh, I missed Bid Bidunga, Badunga, Badunga from Kokomo, Indiana, Kansas, number eight. So right now, Adidas schools, Kansas, Miami, and Rutgers, they have four kids in the top eight in the 2024 class. Being an Adidas school doesn't mean you can't bring in top tier talent. No. Then you can't hide behind that as an excuse anymore. It can't just be Nike dominates everything in basketball, football, et cetera, et cetera. Under Armour, kind of a similar deal. No, no. Adidas has plenty of money. There are enough people wearing Adidas shoes, Adidas socks, Adidas shirts. They're not hurting for money. They can pony up, and that's been shown. Rutgers, by the way, had signed 16 players ever in the ESPN Top 100 before this class. Now they've got two of the top three. Amazing. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, they are They've been all over it. Uh, update quickly, Clemson now up three on South Carolina with 7.04 to go in the second half there. Last I saw, I was uh, Texas A&M 42, DePaul 24, and there's still five minutes to go in the first half. <laughs> 42 points with five minutes to go in the first half. Louisville has to come out and make an offensive statement. If they struggle to score against this DePaul defense, we need to have a much bigger conversation. But, I mean, I listen, it looks like, again, just looking at this game, DePaul at Texas A&M, Texas A&M has open looks. They're just knocking them down. Well, I mean, Louisville doesn't have a team full of shooters. They have right. some streaky shooters. They have, like, Mike James can get hot. He hasn't been lately. Tyler Johnson can knock down some threes. Trey White is inconsistent. Sky Clark can get hot. Mm-hmm. But they're not like a Ryan McMahon type knockdown. We're going to get you shots in the corner, and, you know, it's buckets. So uh, Louisville's going to have the opportunity. But, again, they're even if you blow them out by 20 – what do you learn? It, you learn that you, you you continue to learn that you're better than last year. And you won a road game, which is something you haven't done. 
but then you you still keep it moving. And again, you you have to expect with the struggle that it's been this year that you're winning these next three games. Now, you can expect to win these next three games, and you can also expect to lose to the team up the road right after that, based on what we've seen. And then after that, you have about two weeks off, and you go to Virginia, who, I'll be honest, Patino couldn't beat, Matt couldn't beat. No. So, I mean, it's not it, it's not just pain uh, with that team. You might be able to have Jesus Christ himself coach Louisville, and I don't know if they would beat Virginia. I think, I think they'd win. It, they'd have a shot. Yeah. So... This is why, though, I love games like Marquette, Texas. I love games like UConn, North Carolina, UConn, Kansas, you know, Gonzaga, Baylor, whatever. Like, I love those those games because you're truly, you're truly challenged. And I get it, too. You do need some warm-up games. You do need some games against lesser opponents. And you've only coasted to one Easy win. Have you seen Arizona's next four games, by the way? I have not. Arizona's the number one team in the country, so they've already won on the road at Duke. They beat Michigan State. Their next four, 23rd-ranked Wisconsin, 4th-ranked Purdue, Alabama, number 11, Florida Atlantic. You talk about challenging yourself outside of conference? Yes. Purdue is doing that as well. They beat Marquette in the Maui Championship. Uh, They're playing Arizona. They're playing Alabama. They've already beaten Gonzaga and Tennessee. Purdue's handling their business outside of conference. They did lose a game to Northwestern. But I love November and December non-conference big-time basketball games because you can schedule them actually a year in advance, unlike football. And the other thing is if you lose these non-conference games, it's not really going to come back and haunt you like it does in football. And the upside to scheduling these games and winning is so much greater than the downside of scheduling them and losing. Exactly. And so, it, and that's when you, when you look at the analytics, and that's not the end-all be-all, but you check Ken Palm. Again, Louisville's 161 in the Ken Palm. Look at their strength of schedule. It's 320. So it's like you're not getting, you're not getting battle-tested for the ACC. And, you know, you did have um, a game against Texas where you, where you battled. And I think, again... And Phil, you mentioned what Phil Baker was saying. I, I agree 100% with him on that. But, like, that was it. Indiana, again, I think they're good. They're not great. They're fine. Yeah. They're a borderline NCAA tournament team. Yeah, borderline. And you blew the lead there. So You scored two baskets in the last 10 minutes. Because they went zone. Right. They, they got tricked. So, but that's where the frustration comes in. That is because... You know, what you want for basketball. Then you hear, like, we talked about it briefly in the first hour, <coughs> what Donovan Mitchell was saying uh, about Coach Patino and these workouts in the summer. Like, I was scared. Like, he was, I know he'd be watching if I didn't, you know. But that's why you had a championship. You had three Final Fours. You had numerous Elite Eights. There's a competitive excellence expected out of those teams, and you don't see that competitive excellence expected out of this team. Not that they're going through the motions or anything. But you can they're tell not, yeah. they're not. But there's a there's just an intensity that Patino's teams played with, and that these top teams are playing with that you just don't see for 40 minutes. You might see it for 15 minutes. You might see it for 20 minutes. You saw it against Texas for a decent amount of the game. But I don't. See, I have yet to see a full 40 minutes of the intense level basketball that it takes to win at this level. Yeah, I just haven't. Yeah, and so that again, that's that's one of the, the <clears throat> many things that are lacking. <clears throat> 
Um, but still, you, you know, the team is the team is better than last year. The team has played better than last year. But that's also a very low bar to clear. I mean, both things can be true, and it's okay to say that. But we're not going to get tested until December 21st and the month of January. And so, you know, while the schedule was just was just was weakened incredibly, like I can't I don't remember the last time the schedule was this bad. You've had two teams basically um that you have one team that's an NCAA tournament team and then you have one team that's a fringe tournament team. That is it. And then they scheduled it this way to to rack up the wins and they didn't they haven't even done that. Exactly. So, I said at the beginning of the season I think the best case slash worst case scenario, Louisville's eight and four going into January, and that is like you would beat everybody. Um, like you would, the four losses would be in preseason. It would be the Virginia Tech team up the road, um, Indiana and Texas. Those would be it. But then even if you beat DePaul, Arkansas State, Pepperdine, whatever, like you would beat all those teams, and then yeah, eight and four doesn't look terrible. By any stretch. Now, but the best case scenario is now 7-5 and five because you, I didn't factor right. in the loss to Chattanooga. Yeah, it's like the team up the road that always schedules MAC teams out of conference, and then the first time they play Georgia or somebody like that, they usually tend them to get smacked in the mouth. Yeah. They don't really test themselves until October, and that's why Mark Stoops has a nice resume, but no real signature wins. Mm-hmm. So now uh, it's 54-27 to 27 with a minute 40 to go. Texas A&M leads the poll. 54 points and a half, and it's going to get worse. I mean, they I, could get, they could score 60. I mean, I want to, I'm going to check. I'm going to check right now. Oh, would you believe it? Another wide open three. I mean, like, how do you, I don't, I don't, they're get it. just sagging off the AM shooters, and it's like, what are you doing? there's no rotation whatsoever. Um, let's see here. I, I'm going to, in real time, I want to look up Texas AM shooting percentage. I, I'm telling you, it's probably near 70%. They are shooting 63% from the field and 56% from three. Now, but to Paul, 47% from the field and 40% from three. And they're still down 28. That's insane. It's because they're not playing any defense. Right. And so, but so if Louisville hits their shots at a reasonable rate, they should win. Yes. But. That's the big question. They haven't done that. But they're also not playing Texas A&M and their defense. So they're going to have to defend as well. But there is a chance for Louisville to get their first road win in a season and a half. And they're in 21 games, this is the first chance they can get a road win. And then this is the first chance that they can can have a three-game winning streak going into the game against the team up the road. Which at least would make them feel better yes. about themselves and yeah. there's something to be said for that even competition notwithstanding yeah so if you can get three wins in a row we're gonna take them but we still don't we won't know about this team later on and i want those wins though to be no doubters start to finish no ugly play just you know you beat but you beat the paul by 20 you beat arkansas state by 20 you beat Pepperdine by 20 okay yeah now you and have, you look good doing it the entire game you have my attention yes Let's see what happens. Wayne, you're up next on LSL. What's going on, boss? Man, how you doing, E? Man, long time no speak. Good to good to talk to you. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just going to make a quick comment on the uh, the Final Four in football, which is bogus. Yep. You you know what you, the, the the CFP those those folk were frauds, and and what made it so bad, uh, they didn't they didn't stick to what they said about a champion winning their division. Then they they changed in the middle of the stream, and and they were basically what it was. The, the four should have been the three undefeated teams, and I'll go along with Texas because they did beat Alabama. But what it was, they were afraid to keep a SEC team out. They didn't have the guts nope. to do what was right, and and I and I, I still hold to that. And I'm hoping that uh, when they play their game, that they get beat. You know, I, I just I just didn't like it. You know, and they 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 wouldn't give a legitimate reason to keep Florida State out, and it wasn't because of uh, uh, the quarterback getting hurt. That was bogus, because injuries happen in football. So that 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 should not have been a reason. They were thirteen and zero, so they won without him, and 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 to penalize and punish those kids was really a travesty, and I. I hate it for them. And then and us, we, we've, we've had our opportunities. Uh, they played decent against Florida State, but, again, execution down the stretch kept us from getting a victory. But we're still going to be okay uh, playing USC. That should be an entertaining game. Sure. I hated that Caleb is not going to play. But then, of course, you know, the, the talking heads, if when we beat them, the spin will be well. They didn't. The quarterback didn't play. They just they just refused to give us respect, and I'm getting sick of it. Yeah. And then uh, we we just we just got to win. That you know, and it, it, it's becoming more and more apparent that uh, the powers to be they didn't really want Louisville in the league, and you know I don't know why, but they, you know they, they're doing it just as well as anybody else. And I just want us to keep on winning, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I tell you this: that that whole it, it, it's the talk of the nation, uh, the, the Final Four. You cannot justify Florida State not being there, trying to use that excuse. I don't like it. And uh, you. you know they they're not taking the land down, and th- th- those people should be ashamed of themselves because. Why would you pun, you know, pun, uh, punish that team for that? It wasn't their fault that the quarterback got hurt. But, you know, they, they did everything that they were supposed to do. They won all the games. Yeah. You can't ask for no more than that. You know, but that's how it is. Again, everything has always got to be political. And they, they should have had the guts to not put Alabama. I don't care if they did beat Georgia. So what? But Texas beat them. I could go along with more so Texas than Alabama, but again, like I said, they were afraid of of, of, of leaving the SEC, SEC team out, which was, which is what they should have done. It's not always the best four teams; it's the teams that deserve it. You know, it's, and it's not not always the best four; it's the teams that earned it. And so, it, it, it always comes down to well, play the game on the field. It's what happens on the field, you know. You instead of all this politicking, it, 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 but it won't matter next year when it'll be twelve. But again, 
then you, you'll still get the same narrative. Well, such a team uh, should have been in there. Are they deserving anything like that? But he, as always, man, you know, you guys are the best. And you know what I think about you, what we say at the end of the day. Go cards, man. Thanks. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, Smooth, always appreciate uh, you chiming in. And, yeah. Yeah, I think this is the sport, the first sports show I've been on for all week that we didn't spend all two hours or three hours talking about how Florida State got robbed. Yeah. I mean, it, it was historic. I remember driving back from Charlotte, and we were just like, oh, well, I just know that now, that means now that Louisville's not going to the Orange Bowl. I mean, you know, and so. Um, you saw the Reddit thing where Louisville should have just laid down and lost the game by 40 points. Yeah. If they did that, they'd be in the Orange Bowl. Right. I mean, in that. Well, I don't, but I don't think so, man. I think their mind was made up. You think they were going to oh, keep Florida yeah. State? So if Georgia had won, exactly, Georgia. You think they would have? It would have been Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and then they would have put Texas in yeah. over Florida oh, State. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it was a wrap, dude. As soon as Jordan Travis went out, they should have they should have lowered them in the rankings because they gave them the false hope. Yeah, they gave them number four going into the last and weekend. Again, they're playing a top fifteen team. And like Wayne was saying, they you know they changed up, they changed up what their what the. You know, the standards were about making a, well they're supposed to be an, you know an extra importance on the conference championship not losing a game well you see that. you saw how uh like dan orlovsky the day after jordan travis got hurt he said if florida state wins out they should be in the playoff uh greg mcelroy last week said if florida state beats louisville they should be in the playoff because they're undefeated herb street earlier this season said everybody who wins out they're in the playoff all you got to do is win out and he said nine years ago florida state if they go undefeated they should be in the playoff, which they did. So, all these guys, I don't know if they were given their marching orders. I don't know if some something happened there because oh, they yeah. just flipped their opinions so fast. And I just hated how the way they said it to us was in a sense that if you don't agree with us, you don't know anything about football. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we try to keep it open. Like, we try to have a debate with people. We have a debate about Kenny Payne all the time. And not everybody agrees with everything we say, but we're not up here acting like you're dumb if you don't agree yeah, with us. Exactly. I mean, and if you do that, then then you you lose the argument because you're de- you're devaluing what you're talking about. Uh, and if you attack others, so yeah, yeah, it, it it's a shame. Um, I feel bad for the Florida State players. You know, going undefeated. I think now you can't tie that in directly, but like you know that that would hasten Florida State's. Um, you know, desire to get out of the ACC, even though it was primarily because Jordan Travis was hurt. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think secondarily, it was it was the conference affiliation. But how many times have we said over the years, well, this is a complete team. You know, it's not they're not just relying on the quarterback. They have a great defense. Yeah. Or they have a great running game. Well, shouldn't that be a point in your favor that you're not just dependent on right? your quarterback, that you can win games in a multitude of ways that to me has always been the sign of a good team. But I guess in this instance, that was not the case. And you know, how many teams we're seeing this in the NFL for the top seven teams in the AFC right now, don't have their starting quarterback. So are we just not going to have the NFL playoffs this year? Exactly. So, and it's just, it, you know, and then you had Sankey out there pontificating about, you know, how they turned college game day on Saturday into that one big long SEC infomercial. And that's what the ACC needs to do. Now you don't have somebody with that carries the same stick that Paul Feinbaum does for the SEC, but you have some other nationally 
um, known guys from the ACC network, they need to start coming front and center. Now, they did blast that decision. Yes, they did. And, and I'm glad that they did. But they, they Booger have McFarland have. blasted it, which surprised Surprising. me because Booger's an LSU guy. Absolutely. Booger won a lot of points with me for that. So it, did Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen was the other one who, during the championship drive beforehand, said that this is dumb that we're having this discussion about whether an undefeated team would get left out. Yeah. And so you have that, you have that, the, the hype team for, for the SEC. It just means more. And listen, nobody's saying that the SEC isn't the best conference. It is. But we're, but what we're saying is, you know, just because the SEC is the best doesn't mean the ACC is terrible. Yeah. You had a winning record against the conference. And again, it wasn't against the top three, but still. But what about the act- fact that they beat LSU by 21 points against a guy who's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy and Jane Daniels? Yeah. Like, and that only happened the week before the Texas-Alabama game. So the Texas-Alabama game mattered to the committee. The Florida yeah. State-LSU game meant nothing. Well, just so it could fit their narrative. Right. And so, I I, I think they wanted to put Alabama in no matter what, but they knew that they could not justify putting Alabama in and not putting Texas in because that would have looked even dumber because Texas beat them by 10 in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, I'm telling you, man, like, as soon as Alabama beat Georgia, Florida State wouldn't in. Florida State wouldn't in. Um, and then especially with it being ugly, I mean... I left Bank of America Stadium saying, "Florida." I mean, you know, they had a lot of chesty Florida State fans, and I get it. You're thirteen and zero. Um, you know, you're you're gonna talk your talk your stuff, but I'm like, dude, you all won sixteen to six, and Alabama beat Georgia. I don't think they're getting in. So, when the show, the when you started watching the selection show on Sunday, you did not think Florida State was gonna get in. I went back and forth, to be honest. Um, I, I, but I was surprised. I mean, I guess so. I guess instinctively, I thought that Florida State would get in, but I also was like, I, I. yeah, that that was our whole thing on SMH. Is we talked about like we thought that they would consider Alabama, but we just kind of was like, no way, they're not going to kick an undefeated team out of the playoff. It's yeah. never happened before. They're not going to do yeah. that, are they? And they have a bunch of NFL talent on that defense. You have a, a you know NFL talent running back. You have you know you have. Two talented NFL receivers. Went 2-0 and against the SEC. I mean, dude, yeah. But you know how bad you have to mess up to make Florida State a sympathetic figure after they just spent right? the entire offseason trashing the ACC, right. and now the entire conference feels bad for Florida State because that's how poorly they were treated by the committee? And I know um, Ennis and Biscuit were talking about this, and I agree, man. I've said this too on LSL. I think the, the media rights bubble is going to pop. I don't mm-hmm. think in the next cycle, twenty nine thirty, that you're going to command these. Ma- now it's going to be a lot. Don't sure get me wrong, but it's not going to be a major increase. I don't think. And already the Big Ten projections are roughly ten million dollars lower. It's around sixty two, sixty three, sixty five, not the seventy five, eighty. And they're going to be the most profitable league, more than the SEC. So I mean, I don't think these. The we're ACC- not going to see a hundred million dollars no. per team. The ACC network. And everybody involved with the ACC has got to seriously consider whether they want to go back to ESPN after this because they're going to, always going to be the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, well, they got until 2036, so we'll see. Um, a couple more texts. We'll get a couple more texts, and then that'll that'll do it for the show. Texter said, this DePaul team is horrid down 30 at the half. They're down 62-30 to 30 to Texas A&M. A&M's hit nine threes. DePaul's hit nine shots. Should be a win for the Cards. 
What do you guys say to people who say KP should be given a third year because the program is so broken? Um, nope. Hogwash. No. Um, you don't do you don't do that when you have the worst season in the past eighty two years. That, that's not an option anymore. Thank you guys so much as always. Every Wednesday or sometimes Thursdays, talking all things U of L football, basketball, and recruiting with us here on LSL. This bad boy will be podcasted here shortly. We appreciate all of the interaction. And until next week, go, go cards. cards. Looking for a rewarding career? One that empowers you to serve your community, change lives, and reach your fullest potential? Become a correctional officer for the Kentucky Department of Corrections and earn up to $28.30 an hour with great benefits. Help create a better, safer Kentucky. Apply today for a correctional officer position in your community at careers.ky.gov. That's careers.ky.gov. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Looking for extra cash this holiday season? You can make competitive pay as a day shift warehouse worker at UPS Worldport right here in Louisville. Learn more and apply today at upsjobsky.com. That's upsjobsky.com.